Just after 12 here on SFM 104 to 107, welcome to your Tuesday edition of Midday Live. Top stories this hour. The situation remains tense in Kahiso on Gauteng's West Rand as protests against the blasting activities by Mintel's mining company there continue. And a fourth suspect person is reported to have died at a Motutlung in the Matibeng local municipality in the northwest. Uh, of course, it is alleged that the victim was shot by the police. These and other stories coming up shortly, but first, the news at 12. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. In the news at midday, the Gauteng Premier scores low on a DA report and a Chinese doctor jailed for stealing babies. Good afternoon, I'm Kirit Lala. Gauteng Premier Namvula Mokunyane has scored 4 out of 10 in the Democratic Alliance's provincial government report card released today. The DA says Mokunyane's low score is due to the fact that there are 400,000 more unemployed people in Gauteng when she took office in May 2009. It says over 80% of government suppliers still don't get paid within the stipulated 30 days, despite repeated promises to address this. The DA's report card also looked at the performance of the Premier's cabinet. The SABC's Edwin Nsidi reports. Education MEC Barbara Grace is the top performer, scoring 7 out of 10 for consistently raising the metric pass rate. Health MEC Hope Babo received 6 out of 10 for tightening up financial controls. The worst performer is Community Safety MEC Faith Mazibuko, who gets 1 out of 10. The DA says this is for her blunders in not vetting the proposed new police commissioner. Mwendli Betuel Zuma, who was forced to withdraw after it emerged that he was facing criminal charges. Finance MEC Mandlang Gomfe was described as being completely ineffectual in getting other departments to adhere to strict financial controls. He scored 3 out of 10. Edwin in City, SABC News, Johannesburg. Most roads in Mototlong and Damonsville in Brits in the northwest are blockaded as residents continue with their service delivery protest about a shortage of water. Some community members are to meet with local councillors later today. Pumzile Mlangeni reports. Damonsville has become a no-go zone. No cars are allowed to enter the township as tyres continue to burn. Earlier today, journalists were turned away from the area. Few police vans are patrolling the area. But that hasn't stopped protesters from continuing where they left off yesterday. They have vowed to continue with their protest action until water is restored in the area. Pumzilim Langeni, SABC News, Brett. A search is underway for four suspects who robbed a security guard of an undisclosed amount of cash and his service pistol at the Westgate shopping mall on Gauteng's West Rand. Police say the security guard went to collect cash from his store when four armed suspects then robbed the security guard before fleeing in a white vehicle. Police spokesperson Mtile Di Colomela. The security guards gave chase with the security van and the suspects started shooting at the security van. The suspect's getaway car and a cash box were found abandoned at Hercules Close in Hell's Green Road Port. There was no money in the cash box. No one was injured and suspects are still at large. Eastern Cape Correctional Services Regional Commissioner Nkosanati Breakfast says everything is in place for classes to start at the department centres tomorrow when school reopens for the new academic year. Breakfast says they have registered all offenders as the department has made schooling compulsory in their centres. He says some offenders and parolees are busy cleaning and painting at different schools in the Mdansane and Ginsberg location. 
Breakfast says they don't expect any problems tomorrow when classes start. Internally, as members of social service, as a department, we are ready for our learners to start at the school tomorrow, start with the learning. We already issued the book, registered them. Our teachers, all of them are back at work. We are ready for, for this year because our intention this year want to improve uh, e-education as the Ministry of Social Services uh, declared e-education as compulsory in our facilities. So we're in that campaign. The SA Chamber of Commerce and Industry, or SACI, 2013's annual survey shows a muted outlook for the year. The Chamber's Chief Executive, Nareen Rao, says in a statement that escalating cost of doing business is at the most is at the moment business's biggest concern. The cost of regulatory compliance is the second biggest concern, while the cost of access to finance followed by inadequate or failing infrastructure are also big concerns. Labor strife and public service delivery were low on the list of concerns. Rao said businesses had a most neg- mostly negative experience over the past year and was not overly optimistic for 2014. The general experience for last year was mostly worse while the expectation for this year was mostly no real change. And moving further field now, a doctor in northern China who admitted stealing to stealing babies from a hospital where she worked has been given a death sentence suspended for two years. The BBC's Cindy Hutton has more from Beijing. At one time, Dr. Zhang Shuxia was a prominent obstetrician. Now she's a convicted criminal, the mastermind behind a profitable baby trafficking ring. Dr. Zhang lied to new parents at the country hospital where she worked, telling them their newborns were seriously ill. If they gave up their children to the state, the infants would receive the expensive medical care they needed, she said. The healthy babies were then sold, often for thousands of dollars, to traffickers operating in nearby provinces. Six of the abducted children were returned to their real parents. The one baby, sold for just $165, was found dead by a roadside, abandoned by a trafficker. Recapping the top story at midday, Gauteng Premier Namvula Mokonyane has scored 4 out of 10 in the Democratic Alliance's Provincial Government Report Card released today. For SFM News, I'm Kirit Lala, back with headlines at 12.30. Midday Live on SAFM. 104 to 107. Seven and a half minutes past 12, indeed, midday live, SFM 104 to 107. Still to come, the situation remains tense in Kahiso on Gauteng's West Rand after, after protesters hurled a petrol bomb at the Mokhale city stores. We'll update that story. We get to talk to Joseph Matunjwa. He is the president of AMCO, and he has asked union members in the Northwest who had threatened to pull out of the union not to do so. And also, the union has been issued with a certificate to strike, so we'll be getting updates on that story and many others. This one also very interesting. I'd like to hear your comment on this one. The extreme drought that forced livestock farmers in many parts of the country to slaughter up to a third of their livestock will lead to a serious shortage of red meat. So we'll be discussing this uh, amongst many other stories that we're looking at this hour right here on uh, Midday Live. But our top story this hour, most roads in uh, Motutlung and uh, Demonsville in Brits Northwest are blockaded as residents continue with their service delivery protest about a shortage of water. Some community members are gathering at a meeting place where a meeting
meeting with local councillors is expected to take place. It was reported earlier that uh, a fourth person was killed in uh, Motutlung uh, in Matibeng uh, when protesters clashed with the, the police this morning. First, let's uh, talk to the community representative and Sanko Regional Secretary Gabi Molekwa. Uh, good afternoon to you, Gabi. Hi, Gabi, can you hear us? How are you? I'm fine, thank you very much. You are live on the radio right now. Just uh, bring us up to speed with uh, the latest developments there. We hear of a meeting that is uh, going to happen shortly where councillors will meet with the community, but also we hear of a, a fourth person that has uh, has, has been killed uh, apparently by the police. What can you tell us? Uh, that person is not dead yet. He's been taken to Brett Hospital from Brett Hospital. As yet, he has been flown to Acacia Hospital, but he's in critical condition. Okay, so what what, what led to to him being shot by, and and who shot him? Uh, as yet, the, the police shot him. Okay, all right. So so he's not dead. He's been taken to to the hospital yes, right now. But, hospital, but that leaves critical, three. Very critical. Very critical. That leaves very, though yes. three people dead there as a result yes. of these protests. Because, yes. What is going on? What are what are the members of the community in the Matibeng municipality protesting about? They're pro- protesting about the water. The water is very filthy, but for three days, we've run out of water for three days. Yeah, maybe a week. Because there's no water. What led to 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 that situation? Uh, they said the pipes or vessels passed, so we are not sure of it. Okay, and, and have you engaged the municipality about this? Yeah, some of our leaders, right now as we speak, they are at being they are busy talking. So we're waiting for them to come to give the feedback. Okay, let's leave it at that. Thank you very much. Gabi Molekwa is uh, the community representative and Sanko regional secretary in uh, the Matibeng uh, region. But uh, let's uh, get to talk now to Monde Juta, who is uh, the municipal manager at Matibeng. Mr. Juta, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, uh, Bongi, and good afternoon to your Help us understand here, we, we hear of three people that have been killed so far. The fourth one, as you might have heard from uh, mm. uh, Gabi, they're in a critical mm. condition. But... Uh, what is the situation like as, as as best as you know it as the municipal manager of Matibeng? Well, uh, Bongi, uh, the situation is indeed, as you uh, rightfully pointed out earlier on, very, very tense at this stage. Uh, uh, we are very disturbed as the municipality on the tragic, you know, the, the tragedy that has occurred with uh, three people have, 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 have been reported to have passed on and with one being, being very critical. But at this stage, uh, we are informed that the, the situation is very, very, very tense. But we are busy, as, as uh, the, 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 the speaker we had there, uh, the, the regional chair of Sanko indicated, we are talking to the community leaders uh, on, 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 on this matter. Uh, just indicate to them what our solutions are to resolve. Uh, but before we get to the solution, uh, uh, Mr. Judah, let, let's look at the problem first. What, what is the problem? The problem is lack of water supply, uh, portable uh, piped water supply to uh, to the communities, which happened on Friday, uh, as of Friday last week. Uh, this was caused by a malfunctioning of uh, pumps, including the standby pumps, which malfunctioned. Uh, unfortunately, 
there is no quick fix solution, you know, because these pumps are customized, there are pumps that are ordered overseas, and we're trying to get a solution as quickly as possible uh, to have all these, uh, the, 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 the duty pump and the standby pumps operational. The earliest we can have those pumps with all the efforts that we've put in is on Wednesday evening, Thursday morning. So that's when we have committed that definitely piped water will be uh, will be uh, 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 restored, water supply will be restored uh, to uh, to uh, to, uh, to to the communities. In the meantime, nonetheless, we have uh, attempted to, to provide from from the time that there was interruption, we have attempted to provide uh, uh, water through uh, uh, water cards. But unfortunately, the communities are uh, not up uh, for that uh, for that uh, temporary uh, relief. All right. So, so you're saying the, the the pipe water it will take time Thursday, Friday, uh, or, or thereabout. But in the meantime, you supplying uh, uh, water tanks. In the meantime, we have made water tanks available, but unfortunately, the communities do not want nothing to do with uh, 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 water tanks at this stage. Uh, there are engagements as as we speak now, uh, which we are requesting the communities to please accept the water tankers. It is a temporal solution; it's about uh, two days at most. Uh, therefore, water will be will be restored uh, uh, the latest on 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 uh, end of the week on Friday. I know that you you are meeting with the with the councillors with the community really to 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 try and resolve this situation. But uh, your understanding, why would the community rather not have water at all, uh, as opposed to really having a temporary situation uh, or, 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 or relief of of water tankers? Who who is leading that kind of a campaign? Well, uh, that's what we're trying to understand at this stage. I do not want to speculate uh, as to you know what what would cause. Uh, the communities. I can just talk, you know, on general causes. Generally, you know, uh, communities. Uh, if there is consistent supply through pipe mains, at the moment there's a solution, uh, interruption, a solution for a tanker. Maybe from an aesthetic perspective. Maybe I'm just generalizing. But we want to understand uh, 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 from the communities why is it that they do not want. Uh, the uh, the temporary solution that we're providing. And how far back does this uh, prob- uh, challenge of 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 old aging infrastructure really has been uh, has been persistent there? Because uh, we we we've been talking to to yourselves. I mean, Matibeng municipality yeah. has come out of a, a yeah. very uh, f- bad financial situation, and 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 lately you received a clean audit, and everyone was kind of like positive that uh, you've turned the corner. But uh, it would appear that uh, some some administratively, yes, you may, but but uh, structurally, some some problems still persist. Yeah, let me just first correct that uh, uh, the AG uh, uh, indeed has uh, <clears throat> indicated that there's a great deal of improvement in the financial affairs of the municipality and the financial management of the municipality. We have moved from multiple disclaimers uh, to a qualified. There's a lot of work that still has to be done to move to clean audit, uh, but certainly bulk of the work uh, has been done in so far as moving from multiple. Uh, disclaimers. I mean, ten years of disclaimers to move to, uh, to to qualified. We are in a much better position to turn around to clean audit. Certainly, we are proud of the improvement, but there's a lot of work ahead ahead of us. Now, in so far as the water supply, I think we indeed we have we have spoken uh, uh, quite a few times in so far as the water challenge uh, of Madi being is concerned. There is a solution, uh, a sustainable solution uh, uh, that to, that uh, uh, we have uh, <coughs> we have put in place. Uh, which uh, there is funding that has been committed 
uh, to that effect. But unfortunately, it's not a short-term solution. It's a long-term solution, which will take at least three years, because it is historical. This, uh, you must understand that the plant that was supplying the communities was never designed to supply those communities. Uh, it was only designed to supply the breadth the breadth area when we extended supply, uh, the capacity was never extended. So that's the, that's the solution that will bring in to extend uh, the capacity of the purification plant so that we're able to, to, to supply to our community. It's not only okay. Mr. Tung that is affected, but there is quite a number of areas that, are, uh, that have been affected, but there is definitely a solution. There are short-term solutions that were put in place, such as uh, construction of poholes, uh, etc., uh, temporary you know, solutions that were put in place. But, okay. Uh, yeah. All right, we got you. Thank you very much. Uh, Monde Judah is uh, the municipal manager in uh, Matibeng. This is in Brits in uh, the northwest, as you heard, fourth person critical in hospital right now. But uh, there is a meeting scheduled uh, between the municipality and many other stakeholders there. We leave that part of the, the country. We go to Kahiso now on Gauteng's West Rand. Uh, the situation there remains tense. This after protesters hurled a petrol bomb at uh, the Mohale city stores in uh, Chamdo, uh, causing damage estimated at around 850,000 rand. The municipality has appealed to law enforcement agencies or rather enforcement agencies to bring those responsible for burning council property to book. Residents have been protesting for weeks now against the blasting activities by uh, Mintiles uh, or Mintiles mining company in the area which uh, they've blamed for damaging their properties. Wisani Makubela is our reporter there. Uh, good afternoon to you, uh, Wisani. What can you tell us at this hour? Uh, good afternoon, Bongi. Uh, I can tell you that the situation is calm at the moment, but uh, there's still a feeling in the air of uncertainty as to what will happen next. But um, as you correctly pointed out in the introduction, Bongi, um, there, there, there were violent protests here in the area, and there, there, there was damage that was done. But uh, one of the offices that I've seen, um, a municipal office that was touched yesterday, uh, we understand some of the documents inside there were banned and uh, official that the community liaison officer is no longer able to continue with her work because of that damage. But just a few moments ago, um, and as I drove into the area, the, the streets still bear testimony to the scenes of protest that have been taking place here. Dark marks are left by burnt tires, stones and rocks on the road. And um, and a few minutes ago, literally, I saw municipal workers in in red and black uniform trying to clean the streets, and they were, of course, escorted by two police vehicles. What is at the heart of uh, the, the protest there? What is at the heart of the protest is the issue of blasting, Bongi. Uh, people are complaining that blasting in the area is causing their houses to crack, is shattering their windows, the noise levels are unbearable, and this continues um, for 24 hours. And they also say uh, the, the, the dust here is a, a health hazard. And you'll remember that last Friday, the minister was here following engagement with uh, the mining company as to what could be done to minimize that damage. One of the measures that was agreed on was that uh, the mining company will put up sirens to warn people before blasting takes place so that they are aware that it will take place. Uh, one one other measure was that... Uh, um, Noise levels need to be minimized. The company should not work 24 hours, and that blasting should not take place beyond 8 p.m. Uh, and the issue of dust, they said they, they, they have to, 
to come up with ways of making sure that it doesn't blow towards the the direction of where the residents are. And uh, another thing was that a team of investigators would be set up to come and um, look at the damage, assess the damage, and verify that those uh, cracks that people are talking about, uh, that damage was really caused by the mining activity. But, but also but, the, the issue of uh, unemployment uh, in the area. So now people wanting to be employed by this uh, mining company and claiming that uh, it's uh, reneging now on, on the agreement that uh, they, they had when they when they were issued with the license or when they started blasting again or remining, uh, that uh, they will employ a certain number of uh, of the locals, and that is not happening. Uh, that, that, that's one other issue that's under contention, Bongi, uh, because... Uh, uh, just a few moments ago, I spoke to two women uh, who showed me evidence that the blasting has affected their houses. They say um, they are not interested in being compensated uh, by the mining company. They would want to be moved away. And obviously, that is one of the issues that is a cause of division among the community here, because some people say the mining company must close. Some say uh, they want those job opportunities. And the problem is that if the mine is closed, then those job opportunities will will be gone. And what some residents are saying that if that mine is not closed, they fix whatever little damage is there now. They will continue to face further damage. And uh, that's a problem that they are not willing to live with. Thank you very much uh, to our reporter Wisani Makubele, who is telling us that the situation remains tense in Kahiso on Gauteng's West Rand. Uh, there are protests going on in uh, that area as well. 22 and a half minutes past 12. Midday live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Our top story this hour, Gauteng Premier Nomvula Mokonyane has scored four out of 10 in the Democratic Alliance's Provincial Government Report Card released today. Looking at the markets, this hour gold is trading at $1,249.68 an ounce. Platinum is at $1,430 an ounce. The rand is trading at 10 rand 85 cents against the US dollar. It's at 17 rand 79 cents to the pound and trading at 14 rand 83 cents to the euro. Midday live on SAFM, 104 to 107. It's uh, 23 minutes past 12, and uh, of course, uh, this is a midday live on SAFM, 104 to 107. We go to the Eastern Cape now, where various stakeholders have gathered in East London uh, to evaluate initiation reports from various districts in the province. This after 40 initiates uh, have died in the province as a result of uh, Bosch circumcisions. The reports are expected to detail uh, circumstances under which initiates died or rather deaths occurred and uh, the delegates are also expected to deliberate on the issue of a proposed central initiation school in uh, Bondoland. For more on this now, we're joined on the line by the manager of uh, the House of uh, Traditional Leaders in the Eastern Cape, uh, Luvuyo Singiswa. Good afternoon to you, Mr. Singiswa. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon to your listeners as well. Let's talk about uh, the, this this gathering. I mean, the Eastern Cape uh, is is one of the provinces uh, that uh, religiously practices this this culture of uh, circumcision, uh, and it's done by uh, by traditional healers and traditional leaders. But uh, we've seen a number of initiates. Uh, I mean, lose their lives uh, during during this process. 
Now, let's talk about this this meeting. What 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 what, what does it aim to achieve? Yeah, the, the purpose of the meeting is just to evaluate the, 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 the performance of the past season, right? And also to formulate the, the response to, to, for the coming season, June and December. And also to, to clearly to clear, uh, analyze what, what are the causes of the death and what can be done. Uh, and also what needs to be done differently. Well, this is a long tradition which is older as African people themselves, but we need to do, how do we do things differently and what we have learned and also what can be done differently. Mm. But uh, Mr. Singiswa, uh, this, this has been happening over and over again. I mean, the issue of uh, initiates yes. dying at, yes, uh, at these right. schools has been raised at uh, red flag uh, yes. uh, for, for very many years. Surely a, a, a much more... Uh, <laughs> You know, a, a solution to this should have been found yes, by now. Yes, so, yes. so we're meeting about another meeting about another meeting that was held the previous year, is yeah. the previous year, yeah. isn't it? Yes. But what uh, I know that there have been meetings, but that must be seen within the different light, right? Because what has happened is in the areas where there used to be many deaths now, we have noticed there's been a decrease. Mm. But in the areas where there has been less deaths, now there have been more deaths. It means now, when you look at it within the, the context of this traditional circumcision, we used to have so many deaths in the areas which didn't practice this, which didn't practice this traditional circumcision, which is the Poneland area, right? Mm. Because this, this tradition was stopped long ago. And now, and now, what what is what is the problem being posed here is, it's only the fly-by-nights who are hijacking the tradition, right? And now you you find that because of various interventions and awareness campaigns, there has been some decrease in the deaths. But you find the areas which have been traditionally practicing this tradition now do have some increases. Like for instance, you you, you take the Christianity states like Ngobo and Ngobo and, and the Queenstown areas. These are the areas which have known to been practicing this tradition, but you, you have noticed that there's been an increase. And in some of the deaths, you will find that they are not circumcision-related, some are accident-related, and others, they vary from area to area. Mm. Sometimes you will find that one of the top two denominators of these deaths is it's a dehydration and also the, the, the septicemia. All right. right. Uh, but, uh, Mr. Singh, so let's look at uh, how about, as one of the suggestions by many people, that uh, the yes. rituals that, that, that come yes. with, uh, with, uh, with, with this process are, are, are observed. But when it comes to, to the clipping itself, you know, it's, it's, yes. it's done by a, a trained surgeon. I mean, what, what, about, what about that? In areas where this tradition has not been practiced, right, this has been hijacked by these five banats who are making money out of this tradition, right? And then you always find that in every area there will always be a trained surgeon which has been practicing this thing. But you always find in areas where this thing has been practicing, there are trained surgeons. But one of the factors which are causing death is this, initiate, this tradition 
he's being run by the traditional nurses who, who are inexperienced. Let's look at the question of, of septicemia and dehydration. Right? Mm. In our regulations and also in our social mobilization campaigns, we always tell the would-be initiatives and also all the stakeholders that the initiatives must be given water. But the traditional nurses, for reasons unbeknown uh, known to them, they just certainly refuse to give the, the, the initiatives water. Right? Okay. And also, you look, also the, the question of one of the reasons of the high gas is, is, is septicemia, right? This has got to do with the proper wound management, right? And then you always find that it's only these small, inexperienced traditional nurses who do all these practices. All right, quickly, and, uh, uh, yes. Mr. Singh, would you then support a, a centralized initiation school? Yes, that has been the, what the, the House of Traditional Leaders is propagating. Said that there must be all in all these areas, there must be a centralized school which is going to be properly monitored by the people who are knowledgeable about this tradition. Okay. Not every Jack and Jill who must perform the traditional school because others they are in this tradition only for, for, for business purposes okay. and they don't care, uh, uh, they don't care about the, con- the consequences. And now, and, and now they have reduced this tradition only to. to or, or not to, as a rite of passage, only to the, to the question of, of the scratching of the foreskin, which is not the purpose of this, of this tradition. Thank you very much, uh, Lovoyo Singhi, who is a manager at uh, the House of uh, Traditional Leaders in the Eastern Cape. 12.30 right now, time for the news headlines. Kirat Lala. Good afternoon. Trade Union Federation Kusatu says it wants to make sure that learning and teaching is taking place from the first day of the academic year when school reopens tomorrow. Gauteng Premier Namvula Mokonyane has scored 4 out of 10 in the Democratic Alliance's provincial government report card released today and an army spokesperson in South Sudan says at least 200 people have been killed in a ferry accident on the White Nile River. Details on these and more at 1pm. Thank you very much and we go to Cape Town now and we say good afternoon to Shadow Twella. What's coming up between 1 and 2 uh, on Otherwise this Tuesday? Shadow, hello. Well, Bongi, hello. On Otherwise today we look at a holistic approach to health with Diamedli, who's the author of Moon Makeover in Three Months. Now you've, you've got to listen to here that, that, how interesting the moon is uh, for your health. And do you have it in you to run a marathon? Well, marathons are starting up soon. And maybe you can take part this year. So you <laughs> must listen in as we talk to Kathleen McQuaid of Opfit about their beginner's program. Okay, beginner's program to running a marathon. Yes. And, 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 uh, and how all of us can do it. All of us can do it. Okay. All right. So it should be one of your New Year resolutions. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll look into it. <laughs> Thank you very much. And we'll see you between one and two this afternoon on Otherwise. Indeed, uh, great radio still to come. It's 28 minutes to one. This is uh, Midday Live, SAFM 104 to 107. Midday Live on SAFM 104 to 107. The South African Trade, Investment and Tourism Promotion Guide, in partnership with SAFM, will be hosting monthly radio broadcasts to promote trade and investment opportunities to local business and foreign investors. We invite business from all sectors to join us at the President Hotel in Bloemfontein to the launch of the Free State Province Symposium on the 27th of January 2014. 
To participate for free, contact Voice Kajaneni at 082-923-4402 or email at rsvp at bbmmedia.co.za Also visit southafricanguide.co.za Midday Live on SAFM. 104 to 107. 27 and a half minutes to one. This is a midday live SAFM 104 to 107. Uh, on the line right now, I have with me uh, the president of uh, AMCO, the Association of Mine Workers and Construction Union uh, operating in the Platinum Belt, in the in, at Anglo American Platinum, Impala Platinum, and many other mines there. But also, I have uh, Terry Bell, who is a, a labor columnist, uh, uh, independent labor analyst, and also a columnist at uh, Independent Newspapers uh, Business Report. Let's start with uh, Mr. Matunjwa. Mr. Matunjwa, good afternoon to you. I read today that AMCO uh, says that uh, its members, workers, have voted in favor of a strike over wages at World number two platinum producer Impala Platinum Implants. Talk us through that. Uh, good day to yourself and to your listeners. Uh, that is correct. Uh, uh, we were at uh, Impala Platinum yesterday, of which the members of AMCO came in thousands and uh, reaffirmed that they are still eager to go on strike in pursuit of decent salaries. Mm. And and uh, decent salaries will, will, will mean what? What is what is the percentage? How much are you are you asking for? And and why have the talks deadlocked with the Impala Platinum Mines? You, you remember we we received the certificate of non-resolution as early as last year, and subsequent to that, uh, we requested our members as a leadership that they must just give us another few weeks, which was December, to engage with the employer, to engage with the employer, to try to pursue the employer to ascend to the demand. But those engagements never produced any fruit. As a result, then the certificate was issued. So subsequent to that, that meeting of yesterday was to report back to our members, uh, to say to them that the employer, we failed to reach any amicable solution with regards to their demands. Their demands is 12,500 as an entry with other conditions of employment attached to the list of the demands. Mm. So as, as AMCO, have you failed to persuade your, your members not to uh, uh, agitate for the strike? Have you failed also to, to persuade the, the employer really to, to, to adhere to what uh, your members are calling for, at least find each other somewhere halfway? I think uh, our members, uh, we never fail to pursue our members. If you, if you recall, I just said a few minutes ago that AMCO has requested the members that they must give us another opportunity during December to engage with the employer. So the employer was adamant to his position. Therefore, I don't think that it's quite a, a befitting way to say that we failed to pursue our members. Hmm. All right, but but some people uh, are saying now, well, this is what uh, AMCO needed right now because uh, it's losing grip on 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 the management of of that uh, organization. Some disgruntled uh, members now are 
mobilizing themselves to to start a new uh, union they are accusing yourselves of, of failing them uh, you 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 are now in a cozy relationship with employers is what they say but also generally the structure of amka amku is uh, is is really not neither here nor there is what they say what what do you make of that the detractors will always be there the forces will be there if everyone uh, has a set of tv Surely yesterday, if SABC managed to broadcast uh, our meeting, our mass meeting at Impala, it will show that uh, we were holding a meeting of over 10,000 workers, confirming the leadership of AMCO, confirming that AMCO is still a union of choice in South Africa in the 21st century. So it just it happened that uh, all the ill news is easily spread. If you look at the media, how do they publicize the story of uh, that man called Tebe? It is publicized in the media 24-7. But all the things that AMCO is doing that is good for the workers is not being publicized. For instance, last year we gave all media houses, printing media houses, a statement from our national office of the condolences to the family of Tatumatiba. That was never published. Now, January, during the, the results of the exams of 2013, the National Office of AMCO, in my office, I released a okay. statement to all media but houses, but was never released. I, so I, there's no crack in AMCO. AMCO is strong. If you, you can come where I am now, I've got over 320 sharp stewards in the council confirming that, that I'm talking about loan men, that they are saying... We are behind AMCO. I don't know all this uh, odd air. Where is it coming from? Okay. Uh, Joseph Matunjwa is the president of AMCO. Thank you very much. Terry Bell, what do you make of this? Maybe first let's start uh, with uh, AMCO now and, and their members saying uh, indeed uh, they, they, they voted in favor of a strike over wages at uh, Impala Platinum Implants. What do you make of that? Well, the point is they've been waiting for the strike for a long time and, it is, and uh, Joseph Matunjwa is correct. Last year, they authorized the union leadership to go ahead with, well, to talk to management and see if they could settle it. Otherwise, a strike would be on. Now, these workers have been waiting now for more than a year. If we go back right to that awful bloodletting at, at Marikana, it was all over this entry-level pay of 12,500 rand. Now, the, the mine owners have not budged on it. And obviously, um, there's a problem with uh, both sides. And uh, UMCU, I think a lot of the miners themselves are saying, well, look, we've waited long enough. Why is the union not doing anything? If they're not going to, then we'll start another worker committee in the same way as they broke away from NUM. But I think it's a minority movement, and I think it just shows the level of frustration. Now that the strike has been, uh, the certificate's been issued, there will be a, a legitimate legal strike i would have to see what happens but uh, some would say uh, amco will marvel at this i mean this is the opportunity that uh, they they will they've been waiting for really it will re-engineer uh, them uh, and put them back uh, on the surface as it were and, uh, and because uh, amco is losing grip on 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 really uh, uh, particularly leadership of amco is looking losing grip on uh, on on the union itself I think what we have here is a union that has grown extraordinarily fast, if you look at it. I mean, at the time, a year ago, you had the majority of members at Lonmin and the other mines as well, Implats, uh, were no members. 
who then left in droves. Some went into NUMSA, the Metal Workers Union, and many, most of them went into AMCU. You had a union that grew very fast, very rapidly, and I think we have had a, a situation of some relatively poor communication between the leadership of AMCU and some of its members. But I think, uh, you know, these sort of things are bound to happen. Um, I don't think it's, it's very serious at the moment. I don't think that AMCU is facing a major rift at this stage. It all depends. I mean, the point is, if there's a strike that goes ahead now and it doesn't work out too well for the workers and the blame is given to the union leadership, we may well see a further disintegration in the labor movement. Mm, and that would be good for the likes of uh, Noom, for instance. No, I don't think it will. I think it will be good for the mine managements and the mine owners, but not necessary for Noom or any other union. Uh, I think the union that's going to benefit most out of this, and probably has so far, is NUMSA which is actually having first, in the first instance, early last year, they decided not to um, recruit actively in any sense no members. They're now doing so. So uh, I think you'll find that uh, disgruntled uh, AMCU members who were formerly NUM may well end up going to NUMSA. The unfortunate thing from the labor uh, union point of view is that a great number of them may well decide a plague on all your houses and not remain with the union movement. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Terry Bell. As always, he is an independent labor analyst. At uh, 18 minutes to one, midday live on SFM 104 to 107. Let's talk matters meet now. The extreme drought that forced livestock farmers in many parts of the country to slaughter up to a third of their livestock will lead to a serious shortage of red meat. The drought, which is being compared to the one of 1933, is continuing longer and includes an ever-increasing area there. Uh, We're talking about uh, areas uh, of uh, the Northern Cape, Northwest and the Free State and parts of Namibia and Botswana uh, struggling without uh, the relief of any summer rain inside there. Let's talk now to Professor Johan Velemse, who is a red meat farmer, a red meat farmer, and also professor at the Department of Agricultural Economics at the University of uh, the Free State. Uh, professor Velemse, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you and your listeners. Help us understand the situation of, of this drought and, and uh, the, how it will impact on red meat, particularly in this country. I think what we should start off with is that the last three years we had very below normal rainfall. So it has been building up. And in last year, 2013, like in the Free State Governor area, we had apparently less rainfall than in 1933. So now this is the third year with basically very, very little rain. And so grazing is non-existent. Um, farmers have to buy feed, but that's expensive. There is also very little government support for them. So they're actually forced to slaughter the cattle, and that's pushing prices down. That's a funny thing with the drought, big prices down. But once we get rains, um, farmers will have to start rebuilding their herds and keep back. And that's when we expect prices to really improve. Mm. The other thing, just to add to this, is that it's getting worse because we're experiencing a shortage of maize, and maize prices went up by about 30% in the last three months. So even if you want to buy feed, it got very expensive, one, because of the drought, and number two, if we want to import the exchange rate at the level rate, it's just making it very expensive. 
So we're not sitting in a very good position at this point in time. Mm. And uh, and if we don't get enough rains, I mean, what what will be the impact of that in in the next uh, six months or so? Can we see red meat prices really shoot through the roof? I will not say shoot through the roof. It will get a little bit more expensive because you must remember consumers must be able to buy the product. Mm. And, and consumers are also under pressure. So we have to be realistic to say, yes, prices will increase, but it's not going to be runaway prices because consumers have to pay for it. And also remember, we can import chicken and other stuff, but that's also getting more expensive with the exchange rate. So we expect um, food prices to be really a difficult thing in the next couple of months. When it comes to the till at the shop, you know, uh, at, at the butchery, so the, 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 the farmer needs to be reasonable and, and charge reasonable prices. But uh, it talks to their bottom line also because they are the ones who need to take care of, uh, uh, of the stock and make sure that uh, it, it's the right, right food and so on and so on. And there's drought on the other hand. So how do you balance the two to keep the prices reasonable but also to make sure that uh, the bottom line of the farmers really is not uh, hugely affected? Well, number one, I take my cattle to the abattoir to be slaughtered. The abattoir twelve. Tell me what's the price. I don't make the price. Okay, and and, so and that's the first thing. Sorry, I, I quickly want to interrupt you. And the second thing is there's huge markups. To give you a quick indication, we get about thirty rand a kg as a farmer, but I'm sure if you go to the retail shelves, you will see up to hundred rand a kg. So we're telling consumers really to shop for cheaper butcheries, to shop for cheaper alternatives, because in between there's a huge gap that's getting eroded. Okay, we well, thank you very much, uh, Professor Johan Velemse, uh, red meat farmer and also professor at the Department of Agricultural Economics at the University of uh, the Free State. Tomorrow we shall try to and, and talk to the Department of Agriculture, Forestry and Fisheries uh, about uh, this uh, latest uh, situation. It is uh, 13 minutes uh, to one right now and it's time for your lunchtime market updates. Today's JSE report is brought to you by Telcom Business. Convergence. One solution, one service provider. Telcom Business. We go to Pranana Naidu from Sasfin Securities. Good afternoon to you, Pranana. How are the markets looking this Tuesday afternoon? Hello, Bongi. Well, global markets are in the red today with losses seen across all indices. Asian and European markets have retracted following the disappointing close in the U.S. last night amid concerns over equity valuations. In the UK, inflation slowed in December, reaching the Bank of England's 2% target for the first time in more than four years. Over in the US, markets tanked with the S&P 500 down 1.3%, its biggest loss since early November. This is ahead of corporate reports as earnings season gets into full swing this week. All eyes are on the December retail sales figures, which will be released later on today. Locally, in the absence of any major news, the JSE is following its global markets lower. Gold stocks are backing the trend and are positive for a second day in a row, with the gold index up 3.5% so far. Gold has steadied near its highest in a month as safe haven buying increased on the back of a disappointing U.S. jobs report, suggesting that the U.S. growth outlook is not as strong as hoped. Looking at the local indices, we've got the gold index up 3.5%, resources 10 index up 0.2%, industrials 25 index down 0.5%, and the financials index down 0.9%. 
Overall, the market is down 158 points to 45,872. Stocks on the move today? Anglo Gold up 3.7% to 135 Rand. Harmony up 3% to 28 Rand and 62 cents. And KDs up 2.7% to 1 Rand and 15 cents. On the downside, we've got Sunlam down 2.5% to 52 Rand and 36. Life Healthcare down 2.3% to 39 Rand 50 cents. And finally, ShopRite down 2.2% to 157 Rand and 10 cents. Your latest market indicators. Gold is trading at $1,248 an ounce, platinum $1,430 an ounce, Brent crude $105 per barrel, and finally the rand is trading at 1086 to the dollar, 1782 to the pound, and 1485 to the euro. Thank you very much, Prandana Naidu from Sasfin Securities. This feature was brought to you by Telcom Business. Talk to Telcom Business about getting you on the journey to convergence with a tailor-made solution. Telcom Business. Marilyn, I need a non-automated, hand-operated ink dispenser for the objective of on-paper documentation. A pen, sir? Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Using several words when one will get the job done doesn't make sense. Neither does using several providers when you can get voice, mobile, fixed, data, cloud and IT from one service provider. Call 10217, click telcom.co.za forward slash business or visit a Telcom Direct store and get a tailor-made solution. Convergence, one solution, one service provider. Telcom Business. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. It's at 10 minutes to 1. This is Midday Live, SAFM, 104 to 107. We go to the Central African Republic now, where new interim leader there, the head of the National Transitional Council, Alexander Ferdinand Gwendet, has deployed hundreds more soldiers in the capital, Bangui, with orders to shoot troublemakers in an attempt to end months of religiously fueled violence. For more on this now, we're joined on the line by peace and security expert Simon Allen Handy, uh, just to, to bring us up to speed with the situation in Bangui. Uh, Simon, tell us, how is it like in Bangui right now in the Central Republic, the African Republic? There's that order now to shoot uh, troublemakers uh, from the uh, new interim leader there. I think it's a bit um, excessive. Thank you for having me first, but I think it's a bit excessive to say that uh, the security forces have been posted with order to shoot. Um, you may recall that uh, the Central African Republic has really descended into chaos uh, over the last 12 months and uh, just over the last uh, 14, 48 hours. You know, the weekend was dominated by non-stop sporadic gunfire across, you know, uh, the city main's neighborhood, looting, physical violence, and the pilferage of personal belongings. And I think that rightfully uh, the new interim leader felt that uh, not only there was a need uh, to reassure people on the perennial security issue, but also to provide clarity on uh, where the country might go next. And in that sense, I think he's really uh, struck the right notes and is trying to bring about a law and order because the state of anarchy and the societal breakdown has reached um, precedented crescendo. So in my view, uh, is really the appropriate uh, path it's embarked on. 
It would appear that uh, the new interim leader is uh, carrying a, a clear mandate from the region to go in there and deal with the situation. Some would even go as far as saying that uh, uh, Tia, the, the former uh, leader there, had lost control uh, completely uh, of the situation of uh, the Seleka rebels. And the new interim leader was uh, mandated to go in and deal with whatever problems are there. Yeah, I think that was the most pressing, urgent issue. And I think uh, the pace of the political dynamics has rapidly accelerated following uh, that summit. And as we can see now, the level of violence as anticipated uh, has risen by the security forces in place, both, uh, you know, the African forces and the French forces, you know, uh, rose up to the challenge, taking preventive measures that are beginning to yield a result and contain and uh, the violence, uh, of course, going back to the interim leader, I think it goes without saying that uh, he wants to achieve results and quickly. And uh, he has demonstrated that in the speech that he made. And then this morning there is a special session of the Transitional National Council that hopefully within the next 10 days will come up uh, with a new uh, elected uh, leader uh, that will then... Um, um, uh, you know, spearhead uh, national efforts in the long lead to the elections, uh, presidential elections that should take place in a year. But how is the situation on the ground as you see it? Uh, the situation is still extremely volatile, and one major and recurrent feature of the crisis is really unpredictable. Uh, um, uh, but there are significant efforts. First, uh, a number of, uh, you know, national security forces that fled, you know, fearing for their lives, have started reporting in great numbers, in huge numbers, to the military barracks. Uh, and there have been a fraternization station between the Sereka and the former, you know, uh, regular military forces. So I think that together with the political will, with the help of the security umbrella being provided by the international community, we may, you know, express cautious optimism that maybe in the coming weeks and the coming months we're going to see a gradual return to some kind of modicum of normalcy. Thank you very much to Simon Ellen Handy, who is a peace and security expert who is based in Bangui. At, uh, this is uh, the Central African Republic. It's uh, five minutes to one. The Wholesale and Retail CETA invites all its stakeholders to submit their entries for the inaugural Wholesale and Retail Sector Good Practice Awards that are open to all stakeholders in the sector. The closing date for submissions is 17 January 2014. For more information, go to wrceta.org.za or send your email to gpainfo at wrceta.org.za. W and R CETA, the premier authority in skills development exceeding our stakeholder expectations. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. A young Johannesburg girl has proven that circumstances do not need to dictate your success. 13-year-old Ashley Kunutu has been educating herself out of poverty and her efforts have paid off. She's beaten 7,000 learners to be selected to join the Oprah Winfrey's Leadership Academy for Girls. Kunutu has and her teenage brother live with their mother in a tiny room in Auckland Park, Johannesburg. Our senior reporter Melanie Moses visited the family and filed this report for us. 
Ashley was still in her mother's womb when her father walked out, leaving her mum, Lena, to single-handedly take care of Ashley and her older brother. It's been a difficult journey. The mum and her children, aged 13 and 17, live in a communal house that's been divided into nine rooms. Eleven people in the house share a single bathroom and a small kitchen. The rent is 1,500 rand, but Lena cleans the bathroom and toilet to discount the amount to 1,000 rand. Lena is a domestic worker, employed for three days a week. Her youngest daughter is her main priority. She's got nowhere to use to write her homework. Even she used to write homeworks on the floor or on the bed. As a domestic worker, I'm doing like piece piece works. And then with the little bit I get, that's a little bit that I can afford. A single bed, a chest of drawers fridge, table and a box of books are squashed into the family's living space about three by seven meters. Ashley says every day is a challenge. The sponge would be on the floor and covering most of the space so I have to wake up, jump over Nicholas, go into the shower and make it quick because other people will be knocking, busy rushing us and then coming back into the room having to clean up, washing the dishes. Despite such limited resources, Ashley has come out first in her class for the past seven years. She proudly showed off her trophies and a file full of certificates. Her mum is disappointed that she hasn't been able to reward Ashley for her hard work. I've been wishing to make like a little party for her or buy her a present to make her feel more happy. But I just said to her, one day when I get a better job, Ashley, I'll get you something. There's a ray of hope in the room now. After outsmarting around 7,000 learners in tests and interviews, Ashley has been selected as one of 65 children to attend Oprah's Leadership Academy. No words can describe how happy I was, because now I knew that everything is going to change for the better. Her mum was also ecstatic. Oh, sure. It was exciting for me. I was really speechless. I didn't think one day one of my kids seeing her writing on the floor or on the bed that she will get good marks and make me happy. It's a humbling experience talking to the family. Yes, it's a story of achievement above adversity, but it's also a story of a mother's love. If Lena is given an apple, she takes it straight home, cuts it in half and gives it to her children to enjoy. If she happens to be given a can of cool drink, it's also poured equally and shared between the two. She spoke of how she and Ashley went shopping recently for a graduation dress. She went to each shop, she tried dresses, they were like 200 rand, 300 rand, and then she said, yo, this one, ma, is expensive, I don't think you can afford to pay for this. And then we're walking all around town till we get tired, and then we find this dress. It was for 90 rand, and she said, wow, ma, buy this, because this is cheaper, and then it's something for you to afford. And she said, if I buy expensive one, then she will never get shoes. And it certainly did the trick. <laughs> she was looking like a princess, a little princess. <laughs> I didn't even recognize her when she got to school. Then I asked other people, I said, where's Ashley, where's Ashley? They said, there she is in front of your face. She was looking too pretty and it didn't look like she was my girl. If the family expected everyone to join in Ashley's success, they were wrong. Yeah, I've lost a lot of friends. They think because my mom is a domestic worker that I can't achieve. But she presses on. Circumstances are the ones that always push me. Getting home, every time I'd come back and say, I want to change this.
Ashley's teachers have also played a part. They always motivate me. They push me to do my best. I keep pushing me, saying that don't look at what other people have. Look at what you have and just appreciate. And she's determined to make them proud. Knowing about life, like your dreams and ambitions, that's being educated for me. Where you want to go and where you come from. I want to go really far in life and become an actuarial scientist one day. The next chapter of her journey begins when school opens. Ashley will have a room, food, study materials, and for the first time in her life, even some spending money. Melanie Moses, SABC News, Johannesburg. Thanks, Melanie. Such a moving story, this one. No matter how challenging your circumstances are, they don't need to dictate your success, says this introduction by Melanie. A very moving story. One o'clock it is. That's how we come to the end of uh, our show today. Uh, Join us again tomorrow for your midweek edition of uh, Midday Live. Till then, enjoy the rest of your listening. News is next at one with uh, Kirat Lala.